Alrighty, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 15 because we're going to be speaking out of that this morning. John chapter 15. But uh, I just want to share with you um, something the Lord um, kind of laid on me on Monday this week. And uh, I was driving to school, doing our school run. And I know it's Monday, we had a busy weekend last week setting up and there was people doing all sorts of things and, you know, you just can have those busy weekends. And I got to Monday and I thought, I've entered a really busy week again. And as you start to think, and my mind goes all the time, I'm thinking, I've got so much to do. The anxiety levels come up and you start to feel your body stress. And just straight from heaven, I believe, it was this thought, of, if you knew everything was going to be all right and that you were going to be okay, how would you be today? If you knew everything was going to be all right, and we were going to be okay, and you were going to be okay, how would you be today? And I thought about that, and yes, I relaxed. I just thought, and then you know, straight away the word came to my mind that greater is he that is in us, and who is for us, who can be against us when God is for us, and uh, that nothing can separate me from his love, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation. And so straight away, that anxiety, when I received that, just started to lift. And I had a great day. I had a better week than I would have if I had been stressing out about it because I constantly kept on thinking, just change your perspective. God says in his word repeatedly, everything's all right, doesn't he? There's even a song, everything's all right. You know, I've got Jesus with me. Yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> and it's like that, is that we have to take ourselves and check ourselves sometimes about what we are thinking. Because if you're thinking all the busyness, all the stresses, all the things that could go wrong, that can go wrong, that are going wrong, your perspective is looking at the troubles and your faith is connecting to that. Whereas if you take the truth that everything is all right and it's going to be all right because Jesus is with us and he says, you have trials and troubles, but I have overcome them. And so you get the word coming in you to remind you to back up what the Holy Spirit lays on you. So I started to think throughout the rest of the week, and the Lord led me to John chapter 15 and verse 7 and to 11. So I want to just share with you this morning from that, because that's, this is why, this scripture tells us why everything is all right. You know, the Holy Spirit, he'll remind you of the things and he'll say, everything's all right. Now, how are you going to behave? Do you believe me? Or do you look at the circumstances? God says everything's all right. You know, he knows the end and he says everything's all right. Yeah? And so we either believe our circumstances and stress and put expectation of, oh, no, you know, this is coming. Or we say everything's going to be all right and this is why everything's all right. And I'm going to share this morning why I believe from the word everything's all right. So John chapter 15 verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Verse 9 says, as a father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, now listen to this, I got a little happy these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. There's a cure for any downer there. 
this is, you know, my, that my joy may remain in you, the joy of who God is. You know, it's a supernatural thing, that joy. It's not just a happy, of course happiness when you start to think about it, but it's a joy that abides deep down within us that everything is all right. And it's not just that it, you know, stays for a little while. What does the word says? He says, if you do these things, I have told you these things, that if you abide in me, my word abides in you, that you stay in my love, that you follow my commandments. He says, Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. There you go. That's life in one easy few verses. Amen? God's word is so simple. We just complicate it. You know, we go, oh, but, but that's where it is. And I said, that is why everything is all right. Because if we allow his word to abide in us, he says that your prayers will be fruitful. He says, ask whatever, ask and you will ask and what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why? Because his word is abiding in us. So I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson now. Abide in the Greek, because New Testament is written in Greek and it was translated into English, means as minnow, which means to remain, to abide, to stay. It carries the idea of continuing, enduring, awaiting, dwelling, withstanding, firm and immovable without yielding. Now, if his word abides in us, that it is withstanding, that it's firm and immovable and without yielding. When God's word abides in us, that's what it's supposed to do. That when the things of life come at us, that it doesn't, oh no, the word just slips out. The word is meant to be abiding in us so strong that it stands inside of us because it's living and active. Yes? And so that's what it means to abide and that's why we have to get it in us. And I know we go on and on about it, but you know, the word, God is in his word and he stands behind his word. And if we do not know his word, we will not be able to walk victoriously. And that is why we keep on coming back to it because that is how we fight. That is how we live, and God is in his word. If you want to know God, then know his word. If you want to be victorious and be able to move you know, through things, then you've got to know his word. Because he says, when you abide in me, and I in you, and my word abides in you, then you will pray, and your prayers will be fruitful. And my love will remain with you, and follow my commands, which is what? His word. And then my joy will remain in you, and your joy will be full. You got that? In a nutshell, that's it. Amen. Close the book. Done. <laughs> but no, we'll just, you know, unpackage it a little bit more just so we've got it, all right? But that's what it means to have abiding, his word abiding in us and us abiding in him, that we are firm and immovable without yielding. So, you know, you've got to let it get a little bit tough on the inside. Yes? We're not these jellies in the inside. We're tough. We've got abs like... I don't know, abs like something hard, not squishy, yeah? Sorry, what was that? Abs of steel, yes. Amen? That's what we have to be like in the inside, that we'll be like oaks of righteousness. You don't push an oak tree over, do you? Yeah, and we're not meant to be pushovers. So that's why Jesus said it. He said, "If abide in me and my words abide in you. So it means that we're not a pushover and we remain, abide and stay. I have told you these things that my joy may be in you and remain and that your joy will be full. And joy is a fruit of a right relationship with God. It's not something we can create by our own efforts. It's that when we just 
abide in him, it flows out of that. You can't, you know, just make joy happen. It's a result of his, a relationship and of knowing him and abiding in him, dwelling in him, just saying, I'm going to camp out with you, Jesus. You can camp out with me and we're together. And then this joy happens. It doesn't matter. You know, that's why Paul and Silas, they'd been beaten, they'd been whipped, they were in chains in prison, and what were they doing? Praising. Why? Because the word and who they were in him was deep down inside them, immovable. And we can get to that point. You know, we don't start at that point. We've got to get to that point. Every day we just abide in him, let his word abide in us. And then we get to that point where we are strong. You know, it's, you don't get to be able to lift weights. You don't get to be able to do 100 sit-ups just the first time, do we? Anybody ever done 100 sit-ups? I know Shara does crazy amounts of sit-ups. But it's like we, it, it, it takes work in the sense of we've actually got to work through the process of being diligent with it. Yeah? And joy is not, you know, pleasure either. The Greek word for pleasure is a word from which we get our word hedonism. And that's a self-censored, pleasure-seeking thing. That isn't joy either. And sometimes we, we can go, oh, well, I just want to have fun. I just want to find joy in other things. That's what um, Paul calls you know, pleasure-seeking. But it's, that's different from the joy that God wants us. And God wants us to enjoy the life that he's given us in the world. But be careful that you don't go, oh, well, I just have to go over here and have a go at this. This will make me happy. It might, might have happiness for a little while, but then the joy isn't there. The joy that God wants us to have is deep and abiding in us, that you can have whether you have money in the bank, food on the table, world trips, you know, careers, certificates on the wall, passing your exams, whatever. It's a joy that is a supernatural thing, a supernatural joy that comes from abiding in him. Now, all those other things are great and they're part of the blessing of knowing him and walking the journey, but the joy that God wants to give us is from abiding in him. And it's a supernatural thing. And, and God is, loves joy. You know, Psalm 104 says he speaks of himself rejoicing in his creative works. Isaiah 65 says of God rejoicing over his people who will be to him a joy. So you're actually a joy to God. He smiles. He says he rejoices and spins over us with singing. Think of that. He's twirling around in heaven. You know, we think of God as this big, you know, grumpy father. He's not. He sees us this morning and he's up there twirling around. And, and it is. He says that he rejoices, which means to spin, which is why we dance in church, because rejoicing means to spin. Yes? And he does that. Angels rejoice when we inherit salvation. When we receive our salvation, the angels are having a party. Yeah, when one sinner comes to salvation, there is a party going. So they must be partying all the time when we're busy doing what we're meant to be doing. Yeah? So it's a supernatural joy, and it comes from abiding in him. And we can see from his word that is vital for our walk. Without abiding in him and his word and his love abiding in us, we can do nothing, verse 5 says. Without abiding in him and his word and his love abiding, everything we do is just going to... We can actually do nothing. So don't try and do it by yourselves. So I want to give some practical ways to help us abide in him this morning. And this is not a to-do list that ensures that if I do this, I will abide. Because that's not how it works. The spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, studying the Bible, reading the word, praying, coming into community, they are all things 
which through which we do abide, but it doesn't make us abide. You know, it's not a to-do list that if I do this, I'll abide with God. Because you can come to church, you can serve, you can read your Bible, you can pray, but if you're not actually connecting with the one who we're meant to be abiding with, it's all works. Abiding is like any relationship, is that you, you hang out with that person. You email them, you Facebook, you text. You know, it's like you spend time with them. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He says, come aside with me and spend time with me because I want you to know me better. And the things of, of reading the word and things, those are things that help us. But if the focus is on so much on doing rather than whom we're doing it with, then we're not abiding. If you focus so much on doing the stuff rather than whom you're doing it with, you're not going to abide. There's spiritual disciplines to help us to abide, but we have to remember to always keep our focus on him who we're meant to be abiding with. Okay? So that's where our little worker bees, we want to just do it, and that's the difference between do and be. Yeah? We do the things... You know, it's like when we're in a relationship. We hang out with somebody, but it's not about let's drink the cup of coffee to be with that person, is it? You don't just sit there and concentrate on the cup of coffee, do you? What are you doing? You're sipping the coffee and talking and enjoying their aroma and all those things that coffee drinkers do, you know. Or it's going for a walk with somebody, and if you're enjoying the walk, some people, you know, but if you're enjoying the walk with somebody, you're enjoying whom you're with and the walk. Not just, I'm focused on the walk. Yeah? And that is the difference of abiding and works. And it's something really important because we think, if I just do this, I'll be good enough. If I just do this, I'll reach spiritual greatness. Yeah? We're little workers inside, aren't we? We're just doies. And God says, those are things that help us to abide, but concentrate on whom you're doing it with rather than the doing. Amen? Yeah. So, abiding in the word. I just want to share with you some of the things that I picked up from John chapter 15 this week. The most important means in which we abide with him is to know his word and allow the word to abide in us. And I shared before about how Jesus told his disciples that the word of truth had made them clean. And that's really important for us to understand that verse 3 of chapter 15 says that you are already clean. So we don't have to come to Jesus thinking, He's not going to want to abide with me. If he knew, Jesus already knows everything about us. And he still says, I want to hang out with you. He says, if you come to me, you know, I'm faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you know that you've done stuff, you don't have to keep on beating yourself up about it. You just come to him and say, Lord, I just give you this. I've messed up. I know I have. I'm kicking myself about it. Just give it to him. And he says, because of the word, you are clean. Yes, we need to have our feet washed every week, every day sometimes. But he actually wants to hang out with us. He wants to abide with us. He does abide with us. It's us that pushes him away saying, God, if you knew. Or something hard happens. And we say, God, why did you let that happen? Yeah? But if you just come to him and know that he wants to abide with us. That's a, and that you're already clean because of the word. You're already clean. So all that unworthiness, all the stinking lies of the devil, you're not good enough. If anybody knew this about you, blah, 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 blah. You know, the devil is a liar. 
and he will try to make us feel unworthy. Why? Because then we pull back from God and then we, have, we don't want to abide. We feel like we're not good enough and then his word doesn't abide in us and then our prayers are unfruitful and we don't know that we're loved and where do we end up? Always down here, living not the best life that God wants us to have and our joy will not be full. So we've got to understand that you're already clean because of the word that God spoke to us. We're already clean. So we can abide, we can sit there, we can camp out, we can hang on, we can just do, you know, everything with whom loved, he who loved us because you are clean. Point one, you are clean because of the word that was spoken to you. you just got to come if you've messed up and confess your sin and he washes us clean from all righteousness. We are the righteousness of God. We are worthy. We are holy before him and he wants to abide with us. Every day, 24-7, you can abide with him and him with you and experience his joy. So if the devil comes and tries to pin things on you, you say, you get behind me, Satan. The blood of Jesus washed me clean from that. Yeah? And learn to kick his hairy little butt because you have to know how to fight him. And he will come and try to deceive you that you can't. God won't abide with you. He's not. His presence isn't going to be here with you. Oh, you did this. You did that. He is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He accuses us. Why? Because he wants us to come away from God. Because he knows that if Christians get a hold of the fact that they can have his word abiding in him, that we remain in him, that we are unstoppable. And he knows it. Okay, so we've got to know that we are washed clean. Amen. Love giving the word because it just kicks the devil's butt. Yeah. When we abide in him, we can know that we have a effective prayer life. The reasons to abide through the word. Now I'm going to give you six or seven reasons, okay? The reasons why we allow the word to abide within us. You could preach all year on chapter 15, so I'm going to package it really quickly, which is excruciating for a teacher me, but it's okay. Okay, point one of why we abide in him and his word abides in us. Why we want to do that? Why do we make the effort? If you don't already know, I'm going to tell you. If you didn't already get it. Because it is God-breathed and it's useful to us. Why do we want the word to abide in us? Well, it's obvious, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves on Monday morning when we're reaching for our Bible, okay, that it is God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every single word in the, in the Bible is God-breathed. And that's such an important truth for us to know because the society says, oh, is that really God's word? No, but if you study the word of God, it matches up from generation to generation, hundreds of years between. You know, Jesus fulfilled multiple prophecies that he could not have made happen in his birth and his life. Things that had been prophesied years before that he had no control over in the sense of because he came as a man. The word of God is God-breathed and it's useful for us. And it's useful for teaching us. If you want to abide in God and know him and know his word, you've got to read it because it's useful for teaching us. It's useful for rebuking us and showing us where we're messing up. It's useful for correcting us and showing us how we need to change. And it's useful for training us in righteousness. 
Now, a great way to understand that is if you think about you're on a journey. You're on the gospel train, you've jumped on, yeah, and you're on a journey where the word guides us on which road we are to take. And then you're walking along and, it, and you start to take a wrong path. If you're reading the word, it'll let you know and it'll rebuke you. It'll stop you in your tracks and it'll rebuke you and alert us when we're on a wrong road. And then you're going along and you've, you've got back on track and then it'll train us in righteousness. It tells us the right things to do. Righteousness means right standing with God. So it'll tell you what are the things that are right before God that we are to do, that we're to walk in. If we never read the word, we're going to walk into things, we're going to walk the wrong way and the word, you know, it's, it's a rhema word, is a word that the Holy Spirit quickens to our spirit, to our minds to say, hey, that's for you today. And if we're never reading the word, we're never giving God the opportunity to speak to us and his word's not going to abide in us. So we have to actually read it. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just on, you know, every day. Philip spoke about morning and night that we'd be meditating in the word because it teaches us. It tells us when we're going the wrong way. It rebukes us when we're messing up and got a wrong attitude. It trains us and keeps us on the right track. Because God says, I have the highest life for you, that you would soar on wings like eagles, you would run and not grow faint, that you would live a victorious life, but if we're not reading the word, we're going to get off over here and not even know it. And then we go, oh, gee, how did I get from here? And I was over there. Because we weren't letting the word abide in us, because it is alert, it is alive, and it will train us and teach us if we allow it to. Amen? The purpose of abiding through the word is given in those verses. And abiding through the word also equips us to bear fruit for God's glory. You know, it's like every good work. It equips us from every good work. You know, in heaven there's books. And in those books, you know, there says, it says in Psalm 139 that your name is written in the book of life, that he has book about you. And in heaven there's those books and it's like, God has planned good works for you to do in advance. And he says, if we are abiding in him and his word and is abiding in us, he said it will equip us for every good work that he has planned from the moment you were conceived for you to do. Now, I don't want us to get to heaven when we've gone to glory and we look at our book and go, I missed that. Ah, no, 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 we don't want to miss it. And I know that sometimes we look at our life and we go, I missed it. Well, you know what? God is the restorer of the, lo- the things that, and the years that the locust has eaten. He is the greatest restorer. He will reverse things. He'll override things. He is the God of El Shaddai, that he will override natural things even if he needs to, to get that you are restored. If you, we put our life in his hands, if we abide in him and our word is abiding in us, you know, he will restore things. And you've got things to do. You are created for things to do for him. Amen? Give yourself a little sake. You're actually created. It says it equips us for every good work. What good works? Those that he has organized in advance for us to do. And if we're walking, walking, we get off on the wrong path. If we're reading and abiding in the word, then it brings us back to the right path and we keep on walking. Oh, look at that. I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do that. And you do what God has asked you to do and it like builds you up on the inside. You say, yes, this is what I'm here. This is what I'm created for. And then you keep on walking. You're abiding in the word. The word is in you and you're keeping on the right path. Oh, am I meant to be here? Oh, I've got an attitude. Just read the word. It straightens me out. Oh, there's another thing that God has asked me to do. Yes, 
I'm here, I'm created to do that. Amen? And that is what God says. And then his joy will remain in us and our joy will be full. Why? Because we're living out the purpose and the plan that God created each one of us, unique in our own way for us to do. We're getting excited now. Amen? We are here, destined, made for this time, this hour, this place on purpose. God brought me from a little place in the middle of nowhere, cold, wet, beautiful, but cold and wet, and the place called just south of Gore in New Zealand, for those listening on podcasts or SoundCloud. He brought me from there and he brought me all the way to Perth. Camped out here for a little while, knew about him, learnt about him, had some hard stuff happen, got knocked around a bit a bit, went all the way to Kalgoorlie. Why? Because I had to meet him. And then I sat in this oasis and I learned about God and I had stuff put into me that was good. And then God says, Rightio, here we go. And the word is going into me and I abided in him. And then when God asked me to do something that, you know, in the natural, I thought, oh, that's scary. But the word was in me. So I said, yes, I can do all things. Off we went and moved to Perth. Yeah? God has planned and purposed you for this time and this hour. He has a plan. And if we allow his word to abide in us, we're going to have have prayers answered. We're going to know his joy. We're going to know his love. But you cannot sidestep abiding in him and his word abiding in us. Yeah? The other reason we read the word, just to remind you on Monday morning, point two, is because it is our guide. Psalm 119, verse 105 said, His word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Now you think one of those little lamps, you've got those lamps are out bush, those who camp, and you've got a lamp, how far ahead can you see? Think of a candle lamp, you're not those big, you know, tank lamps, but you know a candle lamp, and you, you can see just in front of you. Why? Because God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to the path, just as much as we need, because God wants us to trust him. You know what? If you could see all the little itty bitty things that you're going to have to do, you might freak out. You probably would freak out. 99% of us would have a spack attack. Yeah? But if you, if you can just step, there's the light. The word is your lamp and your light. And it lights the path. And he just wants us to abide with him because he's got it. Everything's going to be all right. So we can just step. There's the light. We're not going to fall over a cliff, yeah, because he lights our path. So when we read the word and the word is abiding in us and we're abiding in him, then we just have to step. So that's why we have to read the word because it guides us. Number three, it keeps us pure. Psalm 119, which is an awesome psalm, very long but great, 9 to 11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can we stay pure? By hiding his word in our heart, by abiding in him, by allowing his word to abide, withholding, withstanding, anything that would be vitally part of us, that flow out of us. Yeah? Notice that verse 9 doesn't ask how a young man can become pure. It's how he can stay pure. Why? 
because we're already washed clean because of the word, John 15, verse 3 says. It's not how you become pure. You know, you don't read this to become pure. You're already clean. You're already washed. It's just that you keep pure. Really important. You know, the devil loves to get us into works. He loves to get us into striving. You're already clean. You're already washed. You're already pure and holy and lovely and precious before him. It's just how we stay pure is, is reading the word. That's good, isn't it? You can get over all that striving stuff. Ugh. Number four is how the word makes us holy. It sanctifies us. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, the word sanctify in the Greek means to separate from profane things and dedicate to, dedicated to God. So the word sets us apart for things of God. If we don't read the word, we're going to walk along and we're going to get into things that are not of God and we're not going to know. But if we keep in the word, it sanctifies us, sets it apart, us apart because it's truth. The word is true. If you're not sure about something, read the word. It'll show you what is true. What is true? Yeah? I mean, I love Philippians 4. It says, whatever is you know, lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, think on those things. That's easy. Should I be reading this? Should I be watching this? Should I be listening to this? What does Philippians 4 says? Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is lovely, whatever is giving a shout about, think and and ponder upon those things. Easy. See, the word is our light. It's our guide and it shows us how to live and it sanctifies us. It sets us apart. So we know, do I do that? What does the word say? Is this something I can shout about? No? Okay, we'll step away from it. It's easy. You just have to do what the word says. It says, if you follow my commandments, my, and you, you remi I'll remain in you and my love and my joy will be full in you. You want that joy unspeakable? Just remain and abide in him and his word abiding in you. Number five, because we read the word and we abide, let the word abide in us because it is eternal. First Peter 1 says, For you not, have not been born again not of imperishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is a word that has been preached to you. Okay? You don't have a perishable seed within you. The word is like a seed. You have an imperishable seed that stands forever. God's word is true and he backs it up. And when you speak it out, it says in the Bible, in Psalms, it says that the whole of heaven stands to attention and the angels hearken to the word of the Lord. That means that you have mighty heavenly hosts that help you out. And if you don't know the word, you can't get those angels busy. They're waiting. Come on, South Central people. Come on, speak the word because the angels are ready. Big beefy ones. They're mighty. They're mighty, mighty, mighty angels. Woohoo. Yeah, and they're there to help us. But unless we know the word, unless the word is abiding in us, unless we know it, unless we're speaking it out, those angels are going, twiddly doo. Twiddly doo. But they hearken to the word of the Lord, and when you speak it, they're there. They're there to help us out. And his word is eternal, and it stands forever. When God says something in his word, you can put money in it. You can bank, go all the way to the bank with it. Yeah? But you've got to know how to use it. 
And you use it by letting it abide in us so that it becomes more a part of you than anything else. It becomes more a part of you than anything else. Are you getting that this morning? Okay. Number six, it says, because the word is, we abide in it because it is alive and active. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, pre- it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. The word active in the Greek there is in energies, which is where we get the English word energy. So the word is energetic. And if you want a graphic picture of, you know, what it's doing, is it's energetic with a double-edged sword slicing through all our rubbish and dividing things out in us. And, it, you know, when you read the word, you'll get it. You'll hit. And you'll, oh, that's a word doing its job. And you either can ignore it or you can abide. I recommend abiding because then his joy and his love is in us and it'll remain and our joy will be full. So I recommend abiding in that double-edged active word. The word judges actually means to discern. God's word doesn't just judge our hearts from a right or wrong viewpoint. It always also discerns and exposes the hidden thoughts and attitudes of our heart. When you read God's word and you're allowing him who is in his word to abide in us, it does, you know, he'll, just, he'll allow you to see the things in our hearts. We can keep all those things hidden from everybody else. But the word of God is alert and active and he's in it. And it divides and discerns things in our hearts. Okay, so don't try and hide things from God because it's an absolute waste of time. Number seven, because it is how we know what is true. And I've already talked about Philippians 4, how you can test things. But First John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see that where they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If you're not sure about... Now, I expect you to go home and study out the word and check up on us. I expect when you hear a message or somebody say something, oh, God says this in the Bible, go, don't just take it. Don't be silly. Go home and check it out because it says test and, and see for yourself from the word. Study it out. Don't be lazy, microwave Christians. Check it out for yourselves because there is many stuff. And in... You know, in the days to come, there were people that trying to lead others off on the wrong path. If you know the word and you abide in it, you will remember, we won't get on the wrong path because it rebukes us and brings us back to the right path. We constantly must know what the word says so then we don't fall into error. The verse warns us not to believe everything we hear but to test all things to see whether they are from God. I expect you to check us out. Check it out for yourself. Come back if you have a question and we'll open the Bible and speak from the Word. Yeah? Last one. I like this one. The Word, why will we have the Word abiding in us? Because it is our offensive weapon. Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you read Ephesians 6, it talks about the armour of God and a lot of it is defence. You've got the helmet that protects us, the breastplate of righteousness, the bow of truth, the suits of the gospel of peace, the shield. But the sword is the word of God. What do you do with the sword? Just keep it in there? No, not if you know how to fight. You take it out and like a good soldier, you use it. How do you use it? You cut through the rubbish 
that the enemy tries to throw at us and you cut back those demons. How do you get rid of demons? You stick them with the word. Resist the devil and he will flee with you. Flee from you. (laughs) You know, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How? Because you have the word of God, the sword in your hand. And too many Christians, we just let things come at us. If you know the word and the word is abiding in you and God is, you know, he is in you because you're abiding in his word, then his love is in you, you're following his commandments, then your joy will be full because why? Because he's in us and he's abiding in us. Okay, this is not a time or a place or a century for us to be flimsy, lie down, just whatever, if it's God's will. No, we have to know how to fight. And God's spoken to me over and over, you must teach my people how to fight. Because we are, whether we like it or not, we're in a battle. And we have to know how to fight. And it's not like, you know, oh, I've got to fight, fight, fight all the time. No, Jesus says my, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. But there is still a yoke. But we're not carrying it by ourselves because he is there with us. And he's got the host of heaven with us. But you've got to know how to bring that all into being. You've got to know how to settle that on our shoulders. We've got to know how to pull that weight. And the way we do that is abiding in him and his word abiding in us. And then our prayers and our life will be powerful and effective and we will do exploits for him. But we've got to know how to carry the yoke that is not heavy or burdensome, but there's still he- it's still got a weight to it. Yeah? And we settle it on our shoulders and we go, right. Set your eyes focused on him. Don't look to the left or the right or behind and run the race that he has set for us. And the way we do that is knowing his word and you keep it in your hand. And when the enemy comes at you in one way, you use the word because then he'll flee from you seven ways. Amen? Those stinky little demons, they won't know what to do with you. And you don't have to, you know, entice them. They'll come anyway. You know, you can bring it on. You don't have to do that. <laughs> They'll come anyway. But they're under our feet. They're poo on the bottom of our shoe. Yeah? I mean, I teach the kids that the demonic, and, and, and you know, a lot of churches won't talk about this because it's like, oh, you know. But there is demons and there is angels. The angels hearken to the voice of the Lord. If you have the sword in your hand and you're using it and you start to speak it, then the angels come. But you've got to stand up first and put that sword in your hand and hold it and get a grip on it and use it. And as soon as you start to use it and you stand, then the angels come. But you have to be using it. And then the host of heaven, they're listening. Wham! They're there for you. But you've got to stand up with the yoke that Jesus has given you and you have to use it. Not, oh God, please help me. Stand up. Stand up and use it. Mum wouldn't be here today if she hadn't known how to stand up and use a weapon. The enemy came at her with cancer. And I remember she tells a story, I'm just going to steal your testimony for a minute and share it, of a day where she, she, they gave her 5% chance of surviving and she got up and she said, enough is enough. I am going to live. Devil, you stinking th- cancer, get off me. Devil, get off my body. And she yelled. And then she spoke the word. And she said there was a point where she knew that healing came. And God's word says that healing always comes if we use what the weapons that we have. But you've got to use the weapons that we've been given. 
And you've got to hold the sword and hold it in our hands, regardless of what has happened. And, you know, I've had stuff happen that has been hard. But you know what? I'm still here. And I'm still fighting. And I'm still stomping around and speaking out. Why? Because I'm still here and I believe what God said. You've got to use what God has given us. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to stand here and give you comfortable servants that tickle your ears. Maybe go somewhere else if you want that. Yeah? We've got to know how to fight. So we run our race, rip-roaring through life, living our highest life, not just existing. We are victorious in him. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He was beaten. He was whipped so that we would overcome. But if we do not know what the word says and the word isn't abiding in us, we are going to get hit by Mack truck after Mack truck. And we're not going to know how to stand. But if we allow the word, and it is a spiritual discipline, that we know who has done that for us and we, we hang out with him. But it's a steward discipline that we get up in the morning and we read the word and we spend time with him. It is still a discipline that we get at the end of the day and we spend time with him and we read his word. And you cannot get away from that. You know, soldiers, when they go to battle, they have to train. Okay, so it's not a comfortable thing, but it wins. Okay? So the bat, so we've got to use our sword and we've got to know it. And then God says that then his joy would remain in us and our joy would be full. Joy unspeakable. Parties all the time with him, you know. You don't have to have everything going all right to experience heaven. And heaven is awesome, but we've got to abide in him. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word that washes us clean, that teaches us, Lord, that rebukes us when we need it, that sets us on the right path, that guides our feet. Lord, I could go on and on about what your word does because you are in your word and your word is who you are and you watch over your word to perform it, Lord, and we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being able to have it and we live in a country where we have the freedom to be able to have it. And we pray right now for those people who aren't allowed a Bible because of their country. And Lord, I pray that this, the little snippets of word that they hear, Lord, that you would quicken it to them, that they would know it, that they would be able to fight. But Lord, let us not be lazy. We have such a gift in this country that we are able to have Bibles. Father, I pray that we would abide in the word that is in those Bibles, that we would know you and that we would follow your commandments so that your joy would remain in us and our joy would be full. Let us know you more, Lord, because we spend time with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that the words I've spoken today, that they would sink deep into our hearts and minds, that they would transform us from glory to glory, that we would just be mightier on the inside and grow strong, Lord, for you. Because you say we're mighty in you and you see things and you speak those things that are not as though they are before because you see the beginning from the and the end and everything in between. So you see how you've created us to be and that we are mighty warriors for you. I pray that you would make it so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.